today we launch a new theme for this year, and it's called Moment of Truth. And, and I pick that theme for several reasons. One, because all of us will probably personally have a, a moment of truth, a moment that is a moment of critical decision-making, where the, the rubber meets the road, where you have to decide, where do I go from here? What am I going to do? A moment that, that proves who you really are, whether or not you really are a person of faith. You may have lots of moments of truth this year. I think we probably all will. And I think that congregationally, this whole year is going to be a moment of truth for us. It's going to be a moment where we have to make critical decision about who are we and where are we going and are we really a people of faith, and I think this year will prove that we really are a people of faith, a people who really do believe this gospel stuff, that we really do believe that we are supposed to be a city set on a hill, that we really are supposed to be a light to this community, and we're going to have to make decisions this year that will affect us going forward for generations to come. And I think this will be a tremendous moment of truth for this congregation. But also on a, on a sort of different sense, every Sunday, every time we assemble, it's a, it's a moment of truth. It's a moment where we stop and we participate in a study of Scripture, where we come together and we wrestle with the truth of God's word, and we decide, where do we go from here? What am I going to do with this truth that the scripture has presented to me, this truth that we've uncovered and that we've all worked together to, to learn? What am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with Jesus? Am I really going to be his, his follower? So I really hope that, that this year we'll, we'll really consider the moments of truth that we have and that this right here this morning will be a moment of truth as we explore different parts of Scripture. And this year, I'm particularly excited about what we're going to be exploring because we're going to be in the Gospel of John. Now, you know how I am about whole books of the Bible and how I think that we never really understand a verse unless we understand the whole book. And so all year, we're going to spend in the Gospel of John. That's what our LTC kids are doing for LTC this year. Our Bible Bowl kids are studying John. So I thought it'd be appropriate if the whole congregation, if we, every Sunday morning, came together, assembled, and we wrestled through and explored and examined a passage from the book of John. And so we're still going to break up months and every two months or so into sections. So we'll examine a section of John or maybe we'll examine a, a theme of John or a, a pattern that we see in John. So this month, our series is called Come and See. Come and see. And so we're, we're really looking at the introduction of John, some of the things that the gospel presents to us about who Jesus is. And this invitation that it gives us to come and see, come and discover who Jesus is. This morning, particularly, we're going to look at those that phrase, come, come and see. We're going to look at three different stories from the first four chapters of the book of John. And I want us to see the pattern that is there and then ask ourselves how that would change our life if we take that pattern and we apply it to our own lives. So let's look at it together. John chapter 1, starting in verse 35. So we're going to start with the story of Andrew and another disciple. It says that the next day, John, that's John the Baptist, 
was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as Jesus walked by, and John said, Behold the Lamb of God. Now, we'll talk later about what exactly does that imply, but John says, Behold the Lamb of God. And these two disciples, one of whom is Andrew, heard him say this, and they they followed Jesus. Now, most of the time when the gospel writers say that someone followed Jesus, it means that they became his disciples, his followers. In this case, there's kind of two, two meanings. So these two, they did go and follow Jesus, but there's also sort of the surface level meaning. It means they, they walked behind him, like they were literally just walking down the road behind him. And look at verse 38. It says, Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? Again, there's kind of a, a dual meaning, I think, there. On the one hand, I mean, he's just turning around and saying, what do you want? Why, why are you walking behind me, right? I mean, there's that, that sort of level of meaning. But as you go through the Gospel of John, you'll see that this is a question that really causes us to be a little bit introspective. What are you seeking? What, what do you want, exactly? Why, why are you following me? What do you think you're going to find by following me? And that's a good question for all of us to ask ourselves is, what are you? What are you seeking? And so he asked them, what, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? So there's, again, sort of, that's, okay, we just want to know where you're staying, right? He said to them, come and you will see. Now, again, there's sort of dual meaning. On the surface level, come and you'll see where I'm staying, right? You'll see where I'm staying. But there's something deeper here. Come and you'll see so much more than that. Come and you'll see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. Now, we'll see that they saw a whole lot more than simply where he was staying, because look at verse 40. One of the two who had heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. So when he followed Jesus and he he went to where he was staying and he, he saw where he was staying, he saw a whole lot more than just where Jesus was hanging out. He saw who Jesus is. He discovered he's the Messiah. He brought Peter. So Andrew went and found Peter, his brother, and he told him, we found the Messiah, and he brought Peter to Jesus. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So I want us to see sort of the pattern there. So there's these two guys, one of whom is Andrew, and, and, and they're following Jesus, and he says, what do you, what do you want? And then they, they come. They come with Jesus, and they spend time with Jesus. And they spend time asking questions, probably, right? Because they, they have questions. Who is this guy? Why is it that John said about him, the Lamb of God? Why, why did John call him that? Who is this person? What is he all about? What is he doing? Is he the one. And after they came, they saw, right? They, they saw Jesus for who he was. They actually came to a conclusion about his identity. How do we know that? Well, we know because Andrew said so, right? He said, this, this is the Messiah. This is the Christ. This is the one that Moses and the prophets said would come. This is our king. So they, they came 
And they brought all of their questions and their, their, their struggles, their, their assumptions, and they brought all of those things and they wrestled as they spent time with Jesus. And then eventually they came to a conclusion, this is the Messiah, this is the Christ. And then what's the third thing that Andrew does? He goes and he invites someone else. He invites Peter, come and see, come and see. Come and spend time with the one that I'm convinced is the Messiah. Come and spend time with the one that I'm convinced is the Christ. And I think that if you come, you too will see, right? Come and you'll see. So there's this coming and then there's this seeing and then there's this inviting. Okay, so let's see if we see that pattern again. Look at verse 43. So it says, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. So again, it's not the same wording, but it's the same idea. Come, follow me, spend time with me, hang out with me, examine me, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, and Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of of Joseph. So after spending some time with Jesus, what conclusion did Philip come to? That Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one that Moses and the prophets spoke about. This is the one. So he came, spent time with Jesus, brought his questions about Jesus, brought his questions about the Messiah, brought his questions about scripture and the law and the prophets. And after he spent enough time with Jesus and saw him, he saw him. And he came to the conclusion, this, this guy, this Jesus of Nazareth, he is the Messiah. And what did he do? He went and he found someone else and invited him. Nathaniel said to him, here's, here's my question for you, Philip. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, I mean, obviously Nazareth has kind of a reputation that, you know, I mean, that's just kind of a backwater hick town, we might say. You know, nothing good ever came out of there. And he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can the Messiah really, really call Nazareth home? And Philip said to him, he doesn't say, hey, watch your mouth, buddy. That's the Messiah you're talking about. Don't talk about it. No, you can't. Don't say those kind of... He didn't correct him. He didn't, he didn't get on to him or admonish him. He didn't say, you shouldn't have those kind of doubts. You shouldn't have those kind of questions. He just said, come. Come and see. And if you come, you'll see the same thing that I did. Do do you see the pattern? Philip came, and he came to the conclusion. He saw who Jesus was, and then he invited. Not invited people by, like, kind of beating them over the head and not saying, you shouldn't have any questions, you shouldn't have any doubts. Philip had questions. Andrew had questions. Peter had questions. They all had questions. In fact, as you go through the Gospel of John, you'll see that everybody has questions. Can this guy really be? And what about this? And what about this? And what about that? And all of these questions. You had questions. I've had questions. You have doubts. I have doubts. We, we all have these kind of things swirling in around in our head. And, and everybody you know does as well. What's life all about? What's the meaning? And so when Philip finds Nathaniel, he doesn't say you shouldn't have questions or doubts. You shouldn't be asking such a thing. How ridiculous, how rude for you. No, he doesn't say that. He just says, come. 
and see. Come and draw your conclusion. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. I mean, that's, that's a really quick conclusion he came to, right? I mean, he, he came and he spent just a small amount of time with Jesus. And after that one thing, he saw Jesus for who he was and came to a conclusion. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You'll see far greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. See, regardless of how much or how little a person sees or how much or how little time that they spend with Jesus, eventually, you got to come to a conclusion. Who is this Jesus? But again, you see that pattern through these two stories, at least, come Come follow me. Come spend time with me. Come hang out with me. Come wrestle with my identity. Come ask your questions. Bring your doubts. Bring your assumptions. Bring your understanding. Bring all of your skepticism. Bring it. Bring it. And come hang out with me. And eventually, you'll come to a conclusion about who I am. And if you see Jesus for who he is, then all of these people have the same reaction. They go and find someone else, and say, come, see what I've seen, hear what I've heard, come to the conclusions I've come to. Look at chapter 4. Now let's skip ahead to chapter 4. Here's a story we're pretty familiar with probably, but it's Jesus sitting at a well talking to a woman who's from Samaria, and, and she has, like everybody you come into contact with, like every single one of us, has history, has baggage, has hurts, has scars. Every single one of us has questions about God, about life, about the future, about our past. And so Jesus comes and he's having this conversation with her and it gets really personal really fast because Jesus says, hey, go get your husband and she, or go get your husband. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. He said, that's true because you've had five husbands and the guy you're with now isn't your husband. And she kind of changes the subject a little bit and starts asking other questions. But she says this, Verse 19, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. She just had one conversation with him, but already after coming and wrestling with, who is this guy? Why is he asking me these things? How does he know these things? She perceives that there's something, there's something special about Jesus. He's not just an ordinary guy. He's not just an ordinary Jew, because an ordinary Jew wouldn't be talking to me in the first place. But not only is he talking to me, he knows things about me that he couldn't possibly know, so he must be a prophet of God. She says, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, the Samaritans worshipped on the mountain, but you say, the Jews say, that Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, verse 21, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you don't know, and we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews 
But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. And we'll talk about all of that in, in coming lessons, but verse 25 says, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. See, the Samaritans knew that the Messiah was going to come. And she says, he, or John explains, he is called the Christ. Then he comes, when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So, again, the questions probably start swirling around in her mind, right? Could, could this really be Messiah? Could this really be God's anointed king? The one who's going to come and fix everything and explain everything? Could it be based on the time I've spent with him and what I know about him and the conversation I've had with him? Maybe this really is that one. So, again... Here's a woman who, like every single human being in the world, has questions, has doubts, and has skepticism, has sort of a beginning understanding, and has a personal history of everything that's gone on with them personally, and everything that's gone on in their culture and their world. But then this person, this woman, comes and spends time with Jesus, and she sees him for who he is. And what does she do? Then, right then, the apostles, the disciples kind of break into the conversation. They kind of show up because they had gone into town. It says, then the disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, and I I thought it was interesting. John, John kind of, the narrator, puts this into the story so that that question is kind of in your mind. He says, nobody asked this. If nobody asked it, why are you bringing it up? Nobody in the story actually asked this question. They said, he said, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? What, what is it that she wants or why is it that he's talking to her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, that's a little bit different in the Greek, but the, the pattern is still there, isn't it? So the woman left her water jar and she went away into the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me, All that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Now, eventually, they will spend time with Jesus because they come and they, what? See, right? They come and they see and they come to the conclusion that Jesus is the Christ. Not because the woman said it, because they came and spent time with Jesus. She came. She spent time with Jesus. She wrestled with who he was. Why is this Jew, why is this man, why is this person talking to me? How does he know all of these things? How is he so perceptive? Is he just a prophet or is he something more? And as she wrestled with those questions, she eventually came to a conclusion. And when she came to a conclusion, even if it was kind of a soft conclusion at the time, could, could, this, could this be the Christ? What did she do? She went and she invited other people, come, see. I don't have all the answers. I can't answer. I know all of you people in town, you all have questions, and I can't answer all of your questions. But what I can do for you is invite you to come, see what I saw, hear what I heard, experience what I've experienced, 
See, again, that same pattern is there. Come and see and invite. And I don't think John is just reporting the facts of what happened. He is doing that, reporting the facts of what happened, these different stories. But he's doing something more. He's inviting his audience, the readers who are reading this book, those that can only experience Jesus through the words and the eyewitness report of the apostles who were actually there. He's writing to an audience and saying, come. Come with your questions. Come with your skepticism. Come with your doubts. Come with the understanding you already have. Come. Ask your questions. Wrestle with us. Read, read what Jesus did. Read who he was. Read about his signs. Read about his miracles. Read about the questions that other people had and that they brought to the conversation. Read about how people doubted him. Read about how people questioned him. Read about how people hated him. Come, come, read, read this book. And then his hope is that they see, right? His hope in John chapter 20, he says the point of all of this book, he said, I could write down lots of other things. In fact, the world couldn't contain all the books about all the things Jesus did. But these things have been written so that you might believe, right? I want you to see. Come, struggle, wrestle, explore, dive into what Jesus has done and Jesus' identity so that you can see him for who he is. And then I think if the pattern holds true, that his audience would go and do what all of these people in these stories did, go and invite other people to come and see. See, that's how Christianity has spread all over the world, hasn't it? Because people came to these writings, these eyewitness accounts of the apostles, they came and they wrestled with it, and they asked their questions, and they saw that Jesus really was the Messiah, and then they went and they invited other people, come and see what I've seen. Come and hear what I've heard. Come and experience what I've experienced. And so there's the question for us this morning, isn't it? Will we do the same? Will we keep coming? Be here. Be here. That's, that's what we're doing here, isn't it? We're, we're coming. And we still have questions, don't we? It's not like our questions are all answered. It's not that all of our doubts are gone. We still, we still like the Samaritan. Could this really be true? But see, here's one of the things that happens, I think, in, in the United States in the 21st century, is that maybe we've just been so exposed to the gospel story, we forgot that we can ask questions of it. We've been so exposed to Jesus that we forgot that this is, this is huge. And sometimes if you really thought about it, you might ask yourself, is this too good to be true? Ask those questions. Explore this truth. Come here. Be together as we explore the truth of Scripture. It's so easy to be somewhere else. And sometimes we have to be somewhere else. But let's be committed this year to coming with our questions, with our doubts, with our skepticism, whatever it is, and ask questions. And then eventually we need to see, right? We need to come to a conclusion. What do I believe? And am I willing to make bold life changes and life decisions based on that truth, 
Do you really believe he is the Christ, the son of the living God? And if you do, what decisions are you making in your life that only make sense in light of that belief? Things that you wouldn't do otherwise, things you wouldn't do if you didn't believe this, but because you believe this, you do certain things. We've got to come and we've got to see. And then we've got to invite, don't we? Those of us that see, we can't help but invite. When you've really asked your questions and you found that Jesus answers those questions, and you really do believe Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, that He is the Savior and the Messiah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, then you can't help but ask and invite your friends and your family, just come and see what I've seen, hear what I've heard, experience what I've experienced. I can't answer all of your questions. I can't wipe away all of your doubts. I can't do those things. But, but I want you to see what I've seen. I want you to hear what I've heard. I want you to experience the people of Jesus and the words of Jesus and the deeds of Jesus. So let, let's do that this year. Can we do that? Come and see who Jesus is. Even if we've seen before, let's see again and let's keep seeing and keep reminding ourselves and refreshing our commitment to our belief our conclusion that he is the Christ. And let's invite our friends and invite our family. We don't have to argue with them or say, hey, you shouldn't ask such questions. No, just invite them. Come see what I've seen. Come hear what I've heard. Come experience what I've experienced. And this morning, as we always do, we offer you an invitation to come. If you've seen who Jesus is and you haven't responded to that by allowing him to cause you to be reborn by the water and the spirit, and you're ready to begin a life with Jesus and for Jesus, then make that commitment this morning. Come to a conclusion and say, I'm ready to follow him. Or maybe you've already made that decision. You just need to renew your commitment. Or maybe there's things going on in your life and you need to experience the love and the care, the camaraderie of your church family. Let us pray with you, whether the shepherds pray with you in the room after service or right now, whatever we can do for you, come forward as we stand and sing this song.